Yo cycling fans, welcome to Cycling to Athens, why not? My name is still Bernie Schuster and I would like to continue to talk about my road cycling adventure from good old Austria, the country of the Alps and the Kaiserschmarrn, to Greece, the country of the old gods like Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, Apollo and Co. From Vienna to Athens. Wherever you are in this very moment, whatever you are doing, thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you. To all cyclists, adventurers, amateur athletes, sport fans, in the today's episode, we are talking about a serious problem of road cycling. And the problem is already part of the name, the road, cycling on the road. Unfortunately, the road doesn't belong to us, right? We need to share it with fellow cars, motorcycles, trucks, tractors and whatever is moving on this beautiful roads. It's a dilemma. Cars, trucks regularly underestimate our speed and our needs. We, on the contrary, don't really bother too much about traffic rules and see it rather as a nice recommendation. So there is a natural conflict and a natural danger. Why do you think I'm talking about this? Because it's super important. In this episode, especially super important. Have you ever found yourself in an extreme dangerous cycling situation? For example, a super busy road, many trucks, weird behavior, and you couldn't immediately escape and resolve it? If so, this will be your episode. What else can you expect? As usual, we start with tour data, facts and figures. Then we move into the tour journal. In this day, we talk about the full Croatian experience from Zagreb to Korenica with the above-mentioned safety on road special and number three. I would like to talk about the most important thing, the bike, gear and equipment, the hardware, all the stuff that you need to bring that are an absolute must-have and what equipment is maybe a nice to have. So this part should give you an idea what to carry and what to let better at home. All righty, everyone. Get your reflective vest on, bring your front and rear lights on, get a proper grip on the handlebar, and lights cycle together down the highway to hell. It is a Friday. It is the 3rd of September, day three, with the lovely name borrowed from one of my most famous rock bands, ACDC, Highway to Hell. Tour data, ladies and gentlemen. The starting point was Zagreb, the wonderful capital of Croatia. And the end point was a little city, rather a village, with the name Korenica as well in Croatia. I cycled on this very day a total distance of 162 kilometers. So after two longer first days, it was a bit of a shorter one, a total ascent of 1,543 meters, upward cycling or climbing, an average speed of 24.2, a total time on the bike, 6 hours and 36 minutes, and I burned 3,541 kilocalories. As it has been in the last days as well, nothing changes here. I used the Garmin Forerunner 235 and all data has been pulled out of the Garmin Connect app. There was no sponsorship involved. And here something personally, if you like to connect, if you have a 
a thought, something to share, please reach out via cyclingessence at gmail.com. This is one word. I really appreciate any input from you guys, so feel free to get in touch. This very day started with something wonderful and something super important, a nice breakfast. The bed and breakfast place offered a super nice buffet and I remember it was such a great start into this day. I started then somehow slow and a bit late because in Zagreb I tried to find the ATM to get some local cash, some money and I wanted to find a new cable to charge my iPhone because I think I had a loose cable contact because when I arrived in the hotel it didn't really work to charge my phone. But hey folks, it's just a cable so what's a big deal? I passed the wonderful city of Karlovačka a very famous Croatian beer town with the famous Kalovačka beer. I hope I pronounced this correctly. It was funny to cycle past this town because you only know the can or the bottle. Then I had a lunch stop and then suddenly the thrill of the day has started. It was actually a very nice restaurant and somehow I researched exactly. It was called Karan in Kerovac Vukmaniki on the street number one towards Rastoke and Slunj. So street number one, please remember this and remember Rastoke to Slunj. Why is this important? Because this was the section, this was the street, which was the most terrible street on the whole trip. I can give this already away in episode three. So this was the most terrible street. So what happened, you wonder? After lunch, I just started and I realized that the road I'm going to take is busier. So far so good, no problem. Afterwards I realized that this main road was the connection between Zagreb and the very touristy and commercially relevant coast towns of, for example, Sada or Split. And this means that there were a lot of trucks, many, many trucks. And I need to say here, in my notes I wrote down, these crazy bastards, sorry, were mainly just driving by me, not really passing me, driving by. So just imagine this. You cycle with a road bike, bit of package, normal tired, and a truck with 40 tons, 40 meters long, I guess four to five meter high, passes you at a distance of 50 to 80 centimeters with a speed of 85 to 95. Boom! Unbelievable. It freaked me out. The funny thing is, at the beginning, you just think, oh, there's a truck. Hmm, not nice, but okay. Suddenly there's another truck. And suddenly there's another truck. And it started to become like a super high frequency And it was just too dangerous. So I decided, too many trucks, too narrow road, I need to get off. The problem was that I couldn't get immediately off the street because there was no option. Very simple. In such a situation, it is super important to stay calm and focused. And here are a couple of tips that helped me in this very situation. Absolute focus. 100% concentration. Absolute active cycling. What does this mean? 
both hands, tight grip on the bar, check your lights, rear light, front light, check if you have your cycling vest on, something reflective, make sure you are seen. Cycle as far right as possible. There is sometimes the strategy, cycle more inward so that people are forced to pass, really. But in my case, I guess they would have killed you. So I decided to stay on the very line, very focused on the line. I tried to be as quick as possible, so I really gave it beans to find a spot where I can get off the road and find an alternative route. And this is what I did. And the alternative route search in such a stressful situation is always a bit of a tricky one. You're in an area you don't know. You look at your phone, you are in your Komoot app, you use Google Maps, different apps. You need to find quickly your bearings, your orientation. So take your time. It's important that you find a real good alternative route that doesn't really screw you over, means a lot more kilometer or a lot of meters to climb or little roads that causes more exhaustion or more stress. So in summary, what I would recommend, stay calm, focus, continue as fast and as efficient as possible to find the first spot where you can safely rest and get off the bike. Don't be aggressive to the trucks. Don't mimic, don't whatever. It's not, it's not worth it. Take the time to reroute, find a very safe and good option. Take the time to make sure it's really your destination. Make sure you don't add a lot of climbing. And then break, food, drinks, and then you continue the journey. That would be my recommendation. But now, enough of that. Now let's go back to the bright side of the trip. I want to mention a very lovely medieval city, which is called Slunch, Rastok. It wasn't so easy to find exactly the name. Why I'm mentioning this village, it was really like a medieval village, very close to a wonderful river called Korana. Please look it up. And here, another strong recommendation from Bernie. Whenever I personally pass a stream, a lake, or even the ocean, I usually try to make a break, get off the bike and go for a swim. For me, this is like a youth fountain. It's like the utmost vitality injection you can get. I always feel so alive. I feel so relaxed. My soul, I think, gets charged and I'm getting happy because you experience this wonderful nature in a place where you haven't been and you went there by bike even better. After that, I left the highway to hell as I can now call him with a bright smile at Grabocha and onto the road with the number 217 towards my destination, the village of Korinica. So to summarize here, this road would be a terrible choice and I will not want you to take this one. Road number one um, in this section is an absolute no-go. The road 217 towards Grabocha, this is already cooled again. And when I arrived, I had two stressful situations I want to quickly talk about because I think it's super important. I was sitting on the bike and I wanted to charge my phone because the phone is my navigation, my navigation and my hotel booking 
at the same time and I couldn't charge it anymore. The cable didn't work, which made me very nervous because if I run out of battery, I run out of navigation and I have no idea where to go. And this is just a big issue and we don't want it. Stressful situation number two, after arrival, my host didn't want me to take the bike in the room. Whew, this was a super tough conversation. After six hours and a half hours of cycling, almost being killed by trucks, now you need to negotiate uh, if you can take the bike to the room. Why did I want to take the bike on the room? It's simple. I was so afraid of a robbery so that someone nicks my bike. And without the bike, there is no trip. And without the trip, there is no happy Bernie. And this would have been an absolute disaster. A third stressful situation maybe was as well happening. I realized that my main crank had slightly uh, too much spiel. So it was a bit of a clicking. And I didn't have the right tools. Slash I didn't know exactly what the problem is. It was not yet a problem. But you know on these trips where you know you have further days to cycle. A little clicking can become a huge problem. And you don't want to wait and look away. So this is as well here a big advice. When something happens to your bike on these long cycling trips, don't look away. Tackle the problem immediately. It usually gets worse and problems don't solve themselves. After settling in the room, I realized I need to focus on three things. Thing number one, navigation double check. I need to make sure that I avoid such kind of streets. And if so, I said to myself, Bernie, no compromises, you turn around or get off the street even faster. Secondly, the charging cable situation was really bothering me. I decided I need immediately a new cable because if I start tomorrow and I sit eight hours on the bike, I definitely run out of battery. That means I would run out of navigation and this would be a huge problem. Secondly, ah, sorry, thirdly, I needed to think about my crank. Should I try to fix it? Should I borrow some tools? Would I make it worse or would I make it better? These things were on my plate. I tried to solve problem number two, which was the cable, very easy and fast, because in the neighborhood there was a gas station. And here, a big kudos to the guys on this very gas station. They were super friendly. They were giving me so many advices from cycling, road ch choices, products. <laughs> and in the end, I bought a cable and a power bank. So to have a second power bank as a backup, the guys were so friendly, they even gave me a discount on a regular gas station in Croatia. So this was really great. And these guys were really helpful. So kudos to you guys. I will never forget this. They encouraged me as well to buy a can of Kalovacka, which I gladly did and enjoyed at the very end of the day whilst watching the sunset over the city of Korinica, happy and fulfilled after such a long, eventful and stressful day, but fulfilled to have overcome all these challenges and now being ready for the last day of the Tour of Pain. And here we are now with the main topic of the day, the bike, the equipment and the gear. Literally, we are now talking about the packing list. And if you put all the stuff I'm going to mention on the table, on the floor, in the garage, you will be equipped 
to do such a trip. This is my promise. Before I start, I want to say my idea was light is fast and I want it to be fast. So I decided to sleep in bed and breakfasts and therefore I didn't need any bigger equipment like a tent or a sleeping bag, which allowed me to get rid of a rucksack or a backpack. So I had all the equipment on the bike and basically nothing on me, on my body. And this was for me super important. So here is the packing list. And here we start with the most important thing, the most wonderful thing. And this is the bike. I had an Airstream Marathon Disc Superlight with a carbon frame, braking discs, Altigra front rear derailleur, plus group set aluminum rims with 28mm wheels with a Schwalbe 1 performance wheel. This lady from Salzburg in Austria brought me safely down to Athens and therefore big kudos to you, dear bike, you did a great job. I had a Shimano crank set two speed with chain rings in the front 50 and 34 and a rear cassette 11 to 34. I had new braking pads front and back. I had a new chain and I had new outer tubes just to be 100% safe when it comes to any breakage of these parts. The bags, the most important thing to put all your belongings in. I chose a Rock Bros frame bag for bicycles and this specific one is positioned on the top tube and there specifically in the front so towards the stem or the handlebar and this allowed me to back wallet power banks cables so I could charge my phone on the go and this was essential to never run out of battery, to be capable of navigate 24-7, listen to music 24-7, emergency calls 24-7. And the bag had approximate dimensions of 22 centimeters long, 10 centimeters deep and 5.5 centimeters wide. Why I'm telling you this? Because since you're going up and down with your knees, your thighs, I wouldn't go any wider than this 5.5 centimeters. So this was bag number one, Rock Bros frame bag on the top tube to the very front towards the stem. The second bag was a classic frame bag, this triangle bags in the rear part of the frame. And this was for tools, spare tubes and lubricants. A total volume of 1.2 liters Again here, the width is super important that you don't touch it with your thighs, inner thighs. And the last bag, the most important one and the biggest one, was the Ortlieb saddlebag with a volume of 16.5 liters, which is waterproof, breathable, which is super important. It is mounted on the seat post and the saddle, and it looks like a tube that, yeah, point towards the rear. It worked really, really well. I would say a clear five-star rating from my side. There was only one problem I faced during extreme hot days. The grip rubber for the stem melted a bit, 
but I guess these were extreme conditions and it didn't really change or influence the function too much. So the Ortlieb saddlebag overall, really good stuff. I would use it immediately again. So now quickly summarized, three bags, two in the frame and on the top tube and one on the saddle and the back tube. In total I had 1 liter, 2.2 liters, 18.7 liters of volume for all my belongings. And talking about belongings, now we go into the equipment and stuff I brought. Here we go. In order to make it simple, I will copy paste all these items into the show notes, but I will anyway go through them now so we all have an idea and can imagine what was in the bags and what was on the body. Very basic, cycling helmet, absolute must-have. Cycling shoes, I only took one pair, obviously. Hmm, maybe not obviously, I just took one pair. Bib shorts, here I brought two pairs. Why two pairs? You wear one and you can wash the other one and you have time that the other one can dry. And in case you had a problem, you have always a spare bib. One long sleeve cycling jersey and one normal short sleeve cycling jersey. The long sleeve either for cold conditions or for protection against the sun. I think this was a good setup. Again, washing. When you wash one overnight, it will not always dry. So this is useful. I brought two drink bottles, each one liter. I think this is the bare minimum you should bring. And you should always have at least one bottle filled with water. You come to stretches on such a trip where you don't know when the next fountain, the next store is. So be, be aware that water is essential. I brought a cycling cap, those little ones that fit under the helmet. Why? Protection against the sun. If you have daily tours beyond seven hours in very hot conditions, you're very happy. And in terms of insects, I always feel safer when no bees or other insects are flying into my helmet. Then I brought cycling gloves, cycling jacket, a thin jacket just for protection against wind and a bit colder conditions. I didn't expect really cold conditions since it was summer, plus there was no alpine areas and high altitude mountains. So I felt very safe. I brought two pairs of cycling socks, so specific cycling socks. Again, the logic of washing one and using the other. I brought one tight, a tech fit short for backup, underwear, swimming, whatever. I thought it's good to have those. I brought one pair of Adidas Supernova's running shoes. These have been my leisure shoes, my casual shoes. Sunglasses, very, very important. Garmin Forerunner, 235. I brought a Whoop 3.0 fitness tracker. Yeah, this is a great device. Here again, no sponsorship involved. I'm testing this for Adidas and it's a super interesting device that tells you your resting heart rate. It tells you your heart rate variability your recovery, your sleeping performance. And it was interesting to monitor how my body is doing actually during the trip. 
it's a bit of a performance monitoring and analyzing and learning and which was very interesting to me. I used my iPhone 8 for navigation. The battery of the iPhone 8 in my case was not enough for a full day of navigation. Therefore, power bags were an absolute must have. I used an iPhone mount from SP Connect. So the brand is SP Connect. It's a premium phone case combined with fixation unit on the stem of the bike. And this worked absolutely great. It was very sturdy, very fixed, high quality, and I had no single issue with it. You use a, this SP Connect case for the iPhone and with the fixation device, it was a really solid setup. And this is one of my recommendations. Yeah, please buy here really good stuff, premium stuff that really, really works on a longer trip, eight hours on the bike, uneven roads, not good road quality, bumps, etc. It needs to be solid. For navigation, I use the Komoot app. I use the Pro version. So it's not the free version. I paid for it. I bought this one a couple of years ago and it works fine for me. I brought two power banks, as already mentioned, absolutely essential for success. You need to be 100% autonome on the bike. The next item on my list are lights, the front and the rear light. The front light was a Lessine Sector Drive 250 front light. Here at Central, I wanted a light that lasts at least 12 hours. With the logic, switching it on in the morning, switching it off in the evening. Full light protection during the whole trip, during the whole day. The rear light, a similar approach. It was a Moon Cerberus 150 lumen. Here again, my main buying criteria was at least 12 hours of battery. Again, switching it on in the morning and off in the evening. It was for me so important and I can already share this experience. In many countries, there is cars, traffic from the front and from the back on the wrong side at every hour of the day. So you want to make sure that there's always something blinking. There's always something that attracts attention for all other vehicles companies on this very road. I had an outlet, so this was not for the bike, but then for the room, so a USB hub for charging at least four devices at the same time. You will now maybe smile and say, okay, USB hub, easy, but be aware that you need to charge a lot of devices. If you look at the list, you have Garmin, Essential, Phone Essential, Two Lights Essential, Power Banks, so you need to be prepared that you can always stay autonome when you're on the road. A super important one is the pump. There is a lot of different options when it comes to treating flat tires. I decided to go for a top peak turbo morph pump. So what is special on this one? It's a smaller pump, but still rather big, but it has a pressure, pressure gorge and works very well with a higher volume and easy to use. Why was it important? I expected a couple of flat tires, so I wanted to be in power 
to change wherever I am, my tire, and can ensure that I can continue with the perfect pressure in the tires with a very smart and okay effort. I brought three spare inner tubes, so this was my calculation. Maybe here already a learning. If I would do it again, I think I would bring four or five. You wonder why? What I learned afterwards, for example, Albania, you couldn't buy inner tubes at all. So what if you really hit a crazy road where you break, you break your wheel or you have a flat tire? Maybe during the changing process, you know, you pinch another inner tube, suddenly you are running on your last tube. That's a problem. I brought chain oil, a chain lubricant, so no spray, which works better to protect the chain and doesn't attract too much dirt. I brought tire lever set, so the classic Reifenheber, for eventual flat tire. And now another torch, another light topic, but specifically different. I brought a torch and this would be my main headlight in case I need to cycle in the night. So here a very strong recommendation. Prepare yourself for getting lost or late at one point and you need the equipment where the night is not your enemy, the night is your friend. And you know, okay, it's getting dark, but you are equipped to cycle in the dark. And this torch is a Clarus XT11GT. It's a tactical military lamp, which has a maximum light of 2000 lumen and a maximum distance of the beam over 300 meters. And you can charge it via USB, but you can charge it as well via a battery. And that was very, very convenient. Via, I think, eBay or Amazon, I found a, a fixation device for torches, for those round standard torches. And this setup, this fixation works very great for my handlebar. So this setup ensured to have a really proper front light for all conditions, especially for cycling in complete darkness. As a tool, I brought a multi-tool for road bikes. And here, please don't make the mistake and buy just any multi-tool. For me, it was important to have a hex wrench, so an Imbusschlüssel in German, for the front derailleur, for the stem, for the handlebar, and the seat post adjustments. I figured that those areas are most likely to need an adjustment over a longer trip, and therefore the multi-tool was chosen to, to be capable of fixing those things. I brought a bike lock, I brought one, a smaller and a softer one, a flexible one, and I can highly recommend this to lock your bike anytime when you get out of sight of your bike. As a nice or interesting side note, I actually never let my bike out of sight actually when I had lunch break, breakfast breaks or any kind of breaks. I always sat at restaurants and bars where my bike could sit quasi next to me. I brought two tied down straps, so ratchet straps. It's a, it's a little thing I always do as well when I go ski touring or hiking. Those ratchet straps are always good to have to fix things, repair stuff, whatever. 
I brought a passport, the COVID pass and a couple of masks because it was COVID time. From a clothes perspective, so I call it leisure clothes, I try to be very minimalistic. I brought two t-shirts, one long shirt, three pairs of underwear, two pairs of socks, one short pants, one sport short, Austrian flag and a yellow reflective safety vest. And this was my leisure clothes. And finally, I will go to the main beauty case. What does a cyclist need for such a trip? A sunscreen factor at least 30 for the face. It's essential. It's a must-have. Nose, arms needs to be protected. I would say 50 is definitely better. I brought ASOS Anti-Friction Thermo Cream for the skin from Switzerland. So it's a cream for the very strained and loaded areas <laughs> of the cyclist's body air in the lower in the lower backside area of the hip and it's a must have after shower and every morning it was a routine like brushing your teeth you put this cream where the sun doesn't shine basically i needed a skin moisturizer sounds now funny but eight nine hours in the sun every day at least um, dries out your skin and you don't want to have affection or inflammation Dental floss, toothbrush, tooth cream, that's it. In the end, it seems like a lot, but it all basically fitted into the three bags I mentioned before and on my body on the cycling outfit. To be here very precise, the running shoes came out after a while of the Ortlieb saddlebag because they were just not nicely to be packed. And then I put it on top of the Ortlieb saddlebag into those rubber straps. And those worked well for the shoes, but as well for wet clothes that you want to dry during your day. So this is a good tip. You can always yeah, squeeze them into these rubber bands. They are outside fresh air and they will dry very soon. Maybe they get a bit dusty, but that's okay. In the end, I would say as a summary... The equipment I just mentioned worked very fine for me and I wouldn't change anything actually. And my biggest takeaway was that firstly, you don't need more equipment, you don't need more luxury. You are so happy after a nice long cycling day when you just have some comfortable pants and t-shirt and enjoying a nice dinner, a nice cold glass of beer or a nice yeah break at the at the ocean or whatever place you enjoy and secondly i realized that my trip was very convenient when it comes to climate as i mentioned already a bit there were no high mountains no alps to be crossed where you always need to bring warm clothes because it can be always cold and this was a big advantage so here i would say Check out your route very, very precisely. If you go over mountain passes like the Stelvio, the Großglockner, wherever you, you may travel, be aware that even in summertime, it can be super cold up there, even snow. Time is flying, dear cycling fans and adventurers. 
we are coming slowly to an end of episode 3, day 3 of Cycling to Athens, Why Not? Here I would like to give a quick outlook what's coming next. In episode 4 we will talk about the last day of part 1, the Tour of Pain. Cycling, in this case, through the adventurous remote deserts of Croatia into the footsteps of Winnetou and Old Shatterhand. Arriving in Primorsten at the Adriatic Sea after an extreme strenuous tour will be the final part of episode 4. As a surprise, I have been preparing a very emotional sequence, a live sequence recorded actually during the ride, which I would like to share with you. That's it, that's the plan. This was episode 3. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. My name is Bernie Schuster, Cycling Athens, why not? Please get in touch via cyclingathens at gmail.com. I'm always glad to hear from you. And as usual, as we all love and enjoy it, I will stop with the quote of the day. Age isn't an obstacle. It is only you who have thought up this limitation for yourself. Bernie Schuster, over and out. <laughs>